All right, welcome to our third episode of our Boy Meets World podcast. And uh, to get started this time, I'm going to ask Mark to go through a brief synopsis of the show. So in about uh, one or two sentences, Mark, tell us what this episode is about. All right, so this is the third episode in the in the series, uh, Father Knows Less. In this episode, Corey ends up staying up late with his father in order to watch a baseball game, but as a result, ends up sleeping through his test the next day. And then we go through like basically all the dynamics between you know who's right, him or Mr. Feeney, and kind of eventually get our, our, our moral of the story here. Um, so uh, the show uh, opens up in, in the kitchen where Corey and his dad, uh, Alan, are making sandwiches. So they are making, they, they pull out entire packs of bologna. Yeah, like. bologna. <laughs> they put an entire stack of bologna between a piece of bread and put nothing on it but mustard. Yeah, so you have about an eight-inch sandwich <laughs> that is 95% bologna. <laughs> which uh, I'm not sure any human mouth on the planet could possibly get around to eat. So they, <laughs> they, they put the sandwich together. And then they ask, what are we missing? And they say, chips. And Alan runs to the pantry and grabs potato chips. Looks like a bag of sour cream. Yeah, and Corey gets chocolate chips. Corey gets chocolate chips. <laughs> and then they then pour the chips directly in the bag. And that's where Alan goes, chocolate chips, and gives him a high five just for, for having mm-hmm. that thought. Um, and uh, then Amy, Corey's father, uh, Corey's... <laughs> <laughs> it was a Corey's progressive show. Corey's Corey's, Corey's mother Amy comes in and wants to give them apples to eat. Uh, she gives them apples because she thinks it'll make the rest of that crap that they're eating healthier, which makes zero sense. Yeah, it's like ordering a Big Mac and then getting the Diet Coke. That's true. <laughs> or like, we're having two candy bars and an apple. It's like adding in the apple, that's not quite how the nutrition works, but at least they got a little, they're going to maybe get that in their system. Um, they explain. That they're actually going to see uh, the angels from the Navy? The Blue Angels. The Blue Angels, right. So that's what uh, they're going to put on, like an air show, basically? Yeah, have you ever seen the Blue Angels? I have not. Okay, they're an elite Navy, like, fighter pilots. Okay. Um, do tricks and stuff like that. Cool. So you actually went to go see one of these shows? Uh, yeah, every year they had them at Willow Grove. They would put on an air show, and that was just, like, that was the feature. That was the mm. main event of those air shows, was that's the Blue awesome. Angels. Cool. Well, uh, he explains to, oh, Amy tries to, um, to try to like, I guess, reorchestrate their lunch a little bit and, uh, offers like to, to cut the sandwiches and to make them smaller and easier to eat. And, and Alan basically says that when, <laughs> when a man <laughs> eats a sandwich, he wants a big fistful of bread and meat, <laughs> which, uh, I guess that describes this thing that they made. Uh, that just basically looks inedible. And uh, I had to write this down because Corey said that the last time their mom made them lunches, all the truck drivers that drove by thought they were major nozzles. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever used that word other than to describe something that goes on the end of a hose, like nozzle. Mm-hmm. Like I knew what it meant. It basically means like dork or dweeb. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't think I ever called anyone a nozzle. Will you now? Anyone called another? I might now. Oh, I know what I started doing recently. Um, I started calling people wank pheasants because I saw it on a sign. <laughs> <laughs> so, so give me a, give me a little bit of background. I um, 
I, I used to be really into pro wrestling and some people made uh, some signs and some of the signs that people make are really funny. Mm-hmm. And one of the signs was this particular wrestler, Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns, and it says, Roman Reigns is a wank pheasant. So I looked it up to, to understand what it meant. And it's like an old British term for like a lame or useless person. So at work a few times, like through messaging, I've made mm-hmm. sure I called some of my subordinates wank pheasants. Um, and usually gets a pretty good <laughs> So yeah, but maybe I maybe I will adopt nozzle and uh, tell someone that they're a major nozzle. Uh, any any other comments on this on their their sandwich eating and this disgusting lunch they made? First off, bologna's disgusting. <laughs> I can't even imagine it with a pound of bologna. Like what's the proper amount of lunch meats that you should put on a sandwich? Like 3 to 4 pieces? It's it's Four? Okay, so I feel like even having having any more than two pieces of lunch meat. Now, people take notes. Having any more than two pieces of lunch meat consecutively without a piece of cheese or something between it is just too much. It's disgusting. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Maybe if you go to a deli and get like fresh like ham or something that's really thin sliced, you might do more than that. But I feel like two on each side. And maybe maybe three pieces is the sweet spot. Or something like bologna. So if they would have spaced each lot. piece of that bologna out with a piece <laughs> of cheese, it would be better. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you space out all the bologna with cheese, then this is 100% acceptable. And uh, a much larger sandwich, too. Even more manly, I guess. Uh, <laughs> anything else on this? No. I think we discussed bologna enough. So we're, we're basically, uh, for the first, as the show opens, we're still um, kind of like moving through the house. So the doorbell rings and Amy goes to get the door. And as she's moving through the living room, Eric's on the couch and he's talking to Heather. Heather, so yeah. Actually, Heather gets to make a return. Not physically, because we've never seen Heather, but she's actually mentioned again. Mm-hmm. So this I'm, might be his longest running girlfriend. Yes. Throughout the whole series. Oh, dude, 100%. Yeah. There, I mean, it has to be. I, there, I, I, there's some excellent uh, women that he interacts with, or girls that he interacts with, like throughout the show. But I don't know if any of them had any returns. So yes, yeah. this, this might be it. So, and as he's as he's sitting on the couch with his cordless phone, he's uh, apologizing to Heather for basically giving her a hickey. Yep. And his mom stops and looks at him appalled, and he's like, oh, "So what? I sucked a neck." And then she goes to get the door. I thought it was interesting that he was talking about this again so openly. And by the way, we talked about how in episode one, his parents, especially his mom, were super happy that he was getting a date with this girl. Mm-hmm. What exactly did he think he was going to do? <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like 15. Of course he sucked in that. Shouldn't she give him a high five? She's like, yeah. You <laughs> so episode one, she's like, oh, you're dumping your brother because you got a date with a girl. Good for you. Here's a pack of condoms. Good luck, son. No. <laughs> She, she doesn't go that far. But as she's walking by him, you know, she she's grossed out by this. And then she, she opens the door. Um, and one of my favorite characters in this season. Leonard is Spinelli. <laughs> Leonard Spinelli. <laughs> and the funny thing, too, I wonder, I don't know how common of a name Spinelli is. It's a great name. Mm-hmm. Um, but another show on ABC had a character with the last name Spinelli. Do you remember? I do not. Okay. At least I think it was ABC. You might be like, oh, no, it wasn't. Um Recess. Yes. It's a Disney property. It's a Disney property at least now. I Mm -hmm. think it was then too. Mm -hmm. Um, But ever since, if it was a Fox property, forgive me, but they they own, you know, the 21st Century Fox now. So Ashley Spinelli was one of the main characters. And I was curious if like they just, (laughs) let's just go to our list of names we haven't used in a while. Spinelli, done. 
But at, Recess came out, I think, in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And this was in 1993, so not that far apart. Yeah. Interesting reuse of the uh, of the name. Uh, so, uh, uh, Leonard Spinelli, his gimmick is that whenever he meets someone, he introduces himself and says that he works for, well, at least in this family, yeah. I work for your father, Leonard Spinelli. And everybody says, yeah, I know. Is she, we've... We've met many times, and I think uh, Amy says we even had uh, had you over for dinner or something like that, right? Yes. Um, and what's funny is the actor, Willie Garson, actually appears in four different episodes as three different characters. Dude, okay, so I thought I was going to drop some knowledge and tell you that, I've, that I saw him in one other episode, and that's... Um, uh, when when Alan ends up owning a like a wilderness store, yeah, like outdoor store, mm-hmm. Leonard is one of the candidates applying for a job. Yes, and he's sitting there holding uh, like climbing boots with like the really sharp points on them, and he's touching each one, going ow, 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 and then he says, "Somebody stop me!" Ow, <laughs> ow. He's like he's legit funny, uh, which is what I like about him a lot. He's not corny funny. Well, maybe it is corny, but to me, I find him funny. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought he was funny here too. I did not know he. Do you, do you recall the other episodes, or did you write them down the other way? I didn't. I wrote down his characters' names. Uh, he played the minister, and he played Mervyn, and he actually shows up in one episode of Girl Meets World, too, and I think that's a separate character completely. The minister and Mer- The minister. Why would there be a minister? Uh, maybe that's the one where Topanga and Corey gets married. Maybe. He might have been the minister. Maybe. Okay. So, Dude, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see him again. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, so... He, uh, as he's, when he comes in, he walks by, um, like, Eric on the phone, and he says he tried calling several times, and he <laughs> says, you know, call waiting is only pennies a day, which I thought was pretty funny, because I remember having call waiting, like, mm-hmm. as a kid. Like, it was, like, the, back when, um, it was, like, MCI was a phone character, and maybe Bell Atlantic or something. Yeah. And a lot of acquisitions here and there, and Verizon, and... And all these other stuff, but uh, I thought that was an interesting little callback to my childhood, you know, having to deal with call waiting. I remember when we first even got caller ID, like this little box mm-hmm. that sat next to the phone and showed you who was calling. We thought that was fantastic. So, um, all right, so they, they move the living room. He goes into the kitchen and he's explaining to um, to Alan. Well, first he, he introduces himself to Corey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Let us work with your father, um, and uh, he he explains to Alan that um, that there is an issue at work, and I believe it's that uh, something. What was it? Uh, something fell into Alka Seltzer. Yeah, like water. It was some sort of liquid it hit Alka Seltzer and caused like what he called an imported tidal wave down one of the aisles, and mm-hmm. it made it sound like it even swept up one of the people that I guess either a customer or someone who worked there. Should have just had a phone party instead. <laughs> I guess I could do that. <laughs> so uh, he he basically uh, Alan has to bail and go rescue um, whatever's going on at the store. Mm-hmm. You know, the, one of the, the concepts with the cover later is I'm not sure why they need him for this. Maybe he just should be there because he's the manager, but he does have to bail on his son. And, um, and Corey is, is pretty cool about it. Well, that, I actually made a note of that. Like, mm-hmm. um, Leonard Spinelli, how'd he get the job? He's so incompetent. <laughs> like, a manager is supposed to make decisions for their staff, not report back yeah, to the other manager, people. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, 
So when the manager's not there, that's his job. Like, you make the decision, you take care of it, and then you notify your manager what happened right. and how you rectified the situation. That's right. So. <laughs> so, and uh, that is not the only time we're going to see Leonard in this episode, though. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, he, um, uh, Alan Bales, and then we actually get the you know traditional intro of the show. Um, with the music that we agree is the the best in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after the intro, uh, Corey's in bed and Alan comes in to wake him up, and he says the Phillies have a no hitter going against the the Dodgers. Yeah, um, on the West Coast. On the West Coast. And that's why it's Dodgers. so late. Right. And uh, he asks him if he wants to come up and watch the game with him. This is his attempt to make up the fact they couldn't go see. Um, you said the Blue Angels. The Blue Angels. Blue Angels. Yep. So they're downstairs. And they make one of these sandwiches again. It doesn't appear to be as stacked as high. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was the same sandwich from earlier that they were just... <laughs> <laughs> it might be. One thing I took note of, they actually like seemed to bite and eat the sandwiches. Yes, I noticed yeah. that too, because Alan's had a huge bite mark down yeah. there. So they actually ate in the episode. Yeah, Corey like, just kind of... It seemed like he just got a little bit of bread. Mm-hmm. Like, um... I, as a kid watching shows, I always wondered why, when they have these delicious drinks or food in front of them, why they don't eat it. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's so tempting. And if you have to do any retakes, you could get, make yourself sick, you know, but taking mm-hmm. all these bites. This does not strike me as a show that does a tremendous amount of retakes. Um, but they, uh, they do actually eat the sandwich. And as they're watching this no-hitter, um, you can hear the television, and it's given a play-by-play and what's happening. And the cool thing is uh, they drop a name, Lenny Dykstra, okay? mm-hmm. and they say, uh, basically, a, a ball gets hit. It's a fly ball. And they say, this could be the no-hitter. Like, as in, this, the, the Dodgers might have hit maybe, like, a, a home run or something, and it's about to go over the wall. And the announcer explains that, and, like, Lenny Dykstra pulls the ball down. So he caught it, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. And then Corey and his dad, like... With all this food in their mouth, like, uh, erupt with this emotion that sounds like angry people. And then afterwards, Corey goes, I hear you. Like, it was a bad thing. <laughs> like, you'd be high-fiving if it got saved, right? So, maybe that audio of the game was put in post-production. Maybe. And it wasn't communicated what yeah, the actual event was. <laughs> like, maybe they told them, like, to, yeah, this the no-hitter is actually going to get spoiled. The no-hitters are pretty rare. Uh, but the indication I have from that play-by-play... And later on the episode when Corey talks to, to Mr. Feeney is that they did get the no-hitter. Um, I'm curious if there, if that was actually like a real game. Like anywhere around that time period, if the Phillies actually had a no-hitter in 1993. But I just thought like there was a total, like, again, like talking about the, the retakes mm-hmm. and redoing it. Why wouldn't you just redo that? It's, it's positive. It's definitely positive audio. They saved the no-hitter. The guy, Lenny Dexter, caught the ball. Was Lenny Dykstra an outfielder? Yeah, center okay. fielder. Or I think it was center fielder. There you go. So it makes sense. So I don't understand why all of a sudden they were all upset. Uh, just stupid. Lazy, lazy showmaking. Um, oh, and, and one thing you mentioned too, which I forgot. The other name he dropped was Kurt Schilling. Kurt yes. Schilling was pitching. Yes, probably yeah. their best pitcher back then. Dude, and when he returned, he was our best pitcher too for mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, we like Kurt Schilling, definitely a Philadelphia guy. For um, sure. He's had some run-ins with the media, and he's not viewed as positively now as he was yeah. back in the mid-90s. Yeah. I remember being really happy when he won the World Series with the Diamondbacks, though. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know crap about the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. or really care about them, but seeing they had Kurt Schilling and it was that John, Randy Johnson guy, yep. that was a heck of a duo. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that pretty much an unbeatable duo there. 
Oh, and one thing I noted too was these sandwiches they're eating, they put chips on them. I have to confess that I love doing that. Why not? Dude. It makes it crunchy. So, yeah, it does. So, but my thing though, to this very day, I will confess, if I have, if I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which is not very often, mm-hmm. but I'd like having peanut butter and jelly in the house just in case. Like, for some reason, if I'm doing work around the house, like if I was working on like our sump pump, like I was recently, or maybe doing like something else, sometimes I just want something just like high in carbs that I can eat really fast. Um, and, you know, not really. You know, I don't want to have a salad after doing that work. I just want to eat really fast, dirty, and go back to work. And peanut butter jelly always hits the spot. And I love putting any kind of chips in there, whether it be barbecue <laughs> or plain or Doritos. I know that's a weird one. To yeah, put in you there, got me on those ones. <laughs> but I dig it, and I still do to this day. Um, so when they put this hit, when the chips now, I was like, yeah, I totally get it. Even when I use crunchy peanut butter, I will still do this. I, I've been doing it since I was a kid. I just interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I could see, I could see like your standard like salted chip in there, but a Dorito. Uh, yeah, and, like line. another chip with like a cheese flavor or barbecue flavor. You got me. What about pretzels? Is uh, that passable? I think pre- absolutely, absolutely. Because yeah, you can you can buy pretzels with peanut butter, right? Mm-hmm. So like, or pretzels with chocolate. So like having peanut butter and jelly with with uh, with pretzels is probably fairly natural. I used to do a lot of, a lot too. I would mm-hmm. have like some pretzels on the side and then put like a, a whole one of those Snyder's like sourdough pretzels inside the sandwich and eat it like that. So it's just Yeah, I didn't do it at school though. So I didn't want anyone <laughs> to catch that. I always did it at home. So yeah, I, I didn't know what people thought because they'd probably look at me the way you just did. If uh Yeah, you'd if be looks, sitting at the weird kid if table. If looks could emit audio, you would have been like Ugh. <laughs> I would have been sitting at the weird table. Dude, I can't wait till we get to that one. Um All right. Uh, so, any other comments about this before I move to the next area of the show? Um, no, I think we're ready to move on to the next. All right. So, now they're in the classroom, and uh, everyone's handed in their test, and Corey is straight up asleep. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Mr. Feeney, being the very nice teacher he is, says that his stack of papers feels a C-minus short. What a jerk thing to say. (laughs) Um, and then he looks at the paper, and, uh... Corey explains it like he fell asleep and asked like how did I do and he, goes, <laughs> and he goes A he goes oh I got nine. he's like oh yeah I think that was the the one answer you put and you got it wrong mm-hmm. so what grade do you think I'm going to give you um, rhymes with or it starts with the same letter as fajita fajita right so he basically tells the entire class one that Corey is a C minus student which mm-hmm. is no one's business and then two that he failed this test which is also no no one's business and this is where Corey. Looks for some sympathy and explains that he was tired from being up to watch the Phillies game. Uh, and Mr. Feeney, as if it would have made it passable, like he said, oh, I thought maybe you would have stayed up to hear about the Nobel Prize uh, announcements in Stockholm. Um, and uh, Minkus reveals that he did that and even announces like a bunch of names mm-hmm. that he heard and um, and says he's fresh as a daisy. Yeah, jerk. which... Um, the whole staying up late concept in this episode kind of threw me off because, what was it, the first episode where they were bragging about staying up and watching late night talk? That's right. And, That's I right. mean... Well, this is a little bit... Okay, so he got him up at midnight for a no-hitter, mm-hmm. all right? I'm not sure how late a baseball game will start um, when it's in the West Coast. So, like, 10 o'clock, we'll maybe? We'll start at 10. So, so maybe go to 1. I don't know. Baseball games can drag. So <laughs> basically, he probably was up till about two, but the like one or two, right? Gotcha. And then if you think about like those late night shows, they're probably over by eleven or twelve. They're yeah, probably like start twelve thirty over by twelve. So it, it's possible they would uh, like lose more sleep there. So, so yeah, he um, uh, he basically uh, you know. 
lets Corey know, too bad, you failed. And I guess I, I'm still curious if Corey had said, oh, yeah, I was watching the Nobel Prize things. He'd be like, oh, yeah, sure, you could take a retest, right? Mm-hmm. So so the next scene, Corey uh, is in his uh, living room, and he runs up to his dad and reveals, he was like, dad, dad, you got to help. You know, you got to talk to Mr. Feeney because I just failed the test because I was up late, late late last night watching the game with mm-hmm. you and Amy sitting yep, right there. Yep, his mom right behind her dad. And, uh, and they had discussed how they wanted to, Amy, uh, Alan didn't want Corey to tell Amy anything about this, um, so then she gets really upset and she Grounds tells, Alan. Yeah, she grounds him <laughs> and Corey goes, can she do that? And he goes, in so many ways, yes. <laughs> uh, or in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so Amy tells Alan that he has to... Uh, now he has to talk to Mr. Feeney to try to rectify the situation. So he goes outside, and Mr. Feeney's outside like in his garden, as he often is. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alan tries to reason with him and says, Hey, you know, can you take a retest? The reason why I was up late because of me. Um, I kept him up late because I was trying to make something up to him because we couldn't go see the Blue Angels. And, uh, and Feeney basically says he understands, but he doesn't condone the behavior. And they kind of go at it here. Yeah. So any thoughts? Any other notes you have on that? Um, I mean, as a teacher, you're always taking into consideration the, the student's home life and and their situation. Like, you can't excuse certain behaviors, but if it's not a pattern um, and it's a, like an extenuating circumstances, you can make yeah. some like... I feel like if the parent comes to you and literally confesses it's their fault, you probably at least once let the kids slide and take a retest. And also if they're your neighbor, I know that's not fair, but you probably would just to smooth it over. Just once. Right? I would think being in that situation, I don't think I'd want to be a neighbor with one of my students just because that too. it blurs the line between work and, and personal life. Well, you know, uh, you have to live somewhere as a teacher. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to have some neighbors and some might be students or the mm-hmm. kids might be students, whatever. So, uh, but, uh, what happens here is that, um, uh, like as Alan's trying to reason with him about, you know, it's just like the, this is just one incident. Um, Mr. Feeney explains that if, you know, if you were entrusted with the education of, you know, all these kids, you would understand what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And Alan goes back and says, well, if you were a son, I mean, if you had a son and try, was trying to find time to try to find time to spend with him in between like working and fixing the sink and all this other stuff, maybe you'd understand what I'm talking about. And he says, well, but you don't have a son, so how could you? I thought that was really mean. It was. I mean, in the moment you get here and and you don't put things tactfully. Yeah. As if you had time to think about what you wanted to say. Right. So, and I don't think Alan had time. He just went right over and began the conversation. Yeah. And I think later in the episode, I think he regrets how he handled it. I think so too. There's a few times in this series that it's brought up how Mr. Feeney might be like a little lonely or regrets not having kids and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And in this one, we talk about the relationship he had with his dad. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that that was a, uh, that wasn't very nice. Um, all right. So they go back into the kitchen and Amy says, how's it go? And Corey says, Feeney's a butt. <laughs> and, Al- and Alan says, um, don't you talk about your teacher like that. There's, there's, uh, there's, there's some great teachers in this world and he's one of them and you know, you don't talk about him like that. Now, once you go upstairs and whatever, like I think get your racket and we'll go to the, the tennis court and hit some Yeah, they, they should have called him a weenie by the way. A weenie, yeah, which we do eventually <laughs> yeah. here in, in a season or two. And then as soon as, as soon as Corey leaves, Alan goes, Feeney's a butt. <laughs> um... 
uh, anything you want to elaborate on here? Probably keep going through the uh, the dialogue. Uh, no, I think we can move on. Well, hold on. There's a little bit more. Um, so uh, basically, Amy tells Alan that he can't um, interrupt or disrupt Corey's life to make up for you know for him not meeting his promises. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, he's like he. It's not Mr. Feeney's fault. He should have never kept him up late, whatever. So it sounds like, uh, although Amy would have liked to have Corey get a retest, she's basically telling Alan, it's your fault. Yeah. Right? Um, before they leave the kitchen, uh, Lenny is back. and uh, Leonard who? What's that? Oh, <laughs> Le- Leonard Spinelli. Oh, uh-huh, Leonard Spinelli. Leonard Spinelli <laughs> yeah. Do they call him Lenny? They do. They do. He introduced himself as Leonard. But they, mm-hmm. he uses the more the less formal. Um, oh, sorry, they use the less formal Lenny when they talk to him, and um, he introduces himself to Eric, and Eric explains. He, and Eric says, "He's like um, Lenny. Not only are we at the store, like not only do I know you, but when we're at the store, you're the assistant manager. I'm just a box boy, <laughs> like you know, because I think he calls Eric Mr. Matthews, mm-hmm. and he calls like everybody Mr. and Mrs. Matthews. He's like you don't have to address me that way, and." And Leonard's like, that would make me very uncomfortable. I, I uh, what is it, bash at the thought? What's the word he uses? Blanch? I blanch at the thought. Which, again, another word, another word I've never used before. Blanch. No, it's a cooking term. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so he explains that there was a fire at the store because they put the rotisserie chickens near lighter fluid. Yep. And, uh, and Alan says, how much of the store is left? St- so then uh he says he has to go um to the store um to go check things out so he's bailing on Corey again Mm -hmm. um and uh and as Corey Corey comes down and alan basically explains to him that it's his fault you know that he failed the test and he tells him that feeney was right um about the the retest and, and everything so um so uh, Corey is like outside, uh, basically uh, hitting a uh, like a tennis ball around on a racket, mm-hmm. and it falls onto uh, Feeney's side of the fence. Um, and he acts like he didn't see Feeney there. Feeney might have been three feet away, not exactly wearing all dark colors. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe Feeney was below, like the sight line from the bushes. Get out of here! Because he was sitting low. <laughs> So it's possible. It's like a two-foot fence, but all right, fine, Mark. We will we will go with that. That he didn't see this man out there with mm-hmm. his chair and his little table and his um, you know, little uh, glass. I mean, you know, kids can be oblivious too. Anyway, so it goes on the other side of the fence, and he hops on the other side of the fence to get the ball. You know, sorry, says basically, sorry, doesn't see him there, and. Um, uh, Feeney offers to have Corey sit down on a chair, which, by the way, there's two. There's yeah, two I. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I was gonna say, like, was he waiting for somebody? <laughs> he wasn't even sitting next to his like his his drinks. Um, yes, he was. The chair was in between them, so like it looked like he was waiting for oh, somebody. Definitely, <laughs> just, just, just happened to be set up there mm-hmm. for for someone perfectly ready to sit down. So. He offers Corey to sit down, and Corey obviously thinks that he's drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. But he's not. No. He's drinking apple juice. And Corey takes a sip and goes, hey, this is apple juice. Yeah, and he poured a pretty big glass, too. Yeah. And this is another thing where Mr. Feeney kind of, I'm talking about like um, his, maybe like kind of sad family life and how disconnected they are. So like his sister bailed on him for, di- for dinner that one time, right? Yeah. He doesn't have kids. He doesn't have a wife. And, uh... I think he does explain he had a wife that passed away. Yeah. Um, we do learn that. I don't know if it's covered this early in the show. Mm-mm. But he explains that his his sister bought him this, I don't know what you'd call this container, 
But he says, like... Like a decanter? Yeah, I guess so. Thank you. Um, but he says, like, she forgets that I only take, like, the occasional glass of claret with dinner. Mm-hmm. Claret, again, something I'm not familiar with. I don't really drink. And it's, like, so that's really crappy. Yeah. You know that his sister bought him, like, such, like, a... If, I don't really drink, to be honest with you. If my sister got me, like, a... Um, okay, remember Wayne's World? Yes. When, and earlier on in the show, uh, Wayne's girlfriend buys him a gun rack for his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> He's like, I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns to necessitate the use of an entire rack. I'd be like, I don't drink. Why'd you buy me this? Like, so, he, Feeney's not really a drinker, and this was the present he got, so he puts apple juice in it to make use of it. That sucks. Yeah. That's not... It's just, um, seems like, uh, she doesn't really know him well or, or care. Yeah. You know, maybe it's like a blank, maybe she, that's what she bought for everybody that year, you know, as a present or something. So, Feeney tells him uh, this story about when he was a kid. Um, you know, he couldn't have butter on his toast. He couldn't have, like, candy that he wanted. Couldn't have the new sneakers that he wanted. And, um, his mom would always tell him, like, he was asked, why can't I have this? And his mom would tell him, because the war in Europe. With his age, I guess we're talking about World War Two. Mm-hmm. Or would have been? A, I don't know if it would have been a separate, a, a different one. But I'm I'm assuming World War Two. Yeah. Because at the time they didn't know they were in World War Two. I don't know if they would say that. Um, like they would label it something you kind of label after the fact. <laughs> or otherwise, his mom would have said because it's World War Two. <laughs> so because the war. In Europe. Yeah, they called it the war. So and he goes on to explain again this crappy family he has. Um, he explains that when the war was finally going to end. And he was super excited about the end of it. And he says not because of some like altruistic desire to for peace, but just so maybe he could have some buttered toast or sneakers. He um, he he says like he heard that the the president was going to announce the the end of the war on television, and he asked his dad if he could stay up to watch it. And his dad said, "Tomorrow's a school day. I don't want you up with me." It's like wow, what a jerk. And then. And Corey's like, oh, so I guess your dad really knew the uh, the value of education. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Feeney explains that wasn't the message. He's like, he's like, what I'm saying is my dad didn't want me up with um, with him and his drinking buddies. Uh, so um, he basically explains that like he understands, you know, why Alan did what he did. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on this little kind of um, he trails off at the end, but he explains that you know if he had a son and if. Um, yeah, and if whether it be like a ball game, the end of a war, or maybe like any reason at all, like he'd want to spend time, time he would spend time and wake him up in the middle of the night, maybe for any reason, and he just kind of stops. Like, well, that's it. Uh, very, very sad. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I guess that kind of like so. The next thing that happens is a uh, Corey comes. Uh, oh, sorry, Alan comes out in, in the backyard because um, I guess he's back from fixing the fire. Which yeah. fires are really fast. All you got to do is blow them out, and then you just do one of those quick quick time repairs, and you, you repair fires just like that. Right, Mark? Yeah, I got the impression the store didn't actually burn down. No. It was I, contained. Right, and I guess it must have been the rotisserie chickens in the fire must have been really close to the entrance to get the, the word. <laughs> or maybe they just have a store sign somewhere near the rotisserie chickens. It just doesn't make any sense. But um, Alan comes out, and uh, him and Mr. Feeney basically come to an understanding, you know, just like... Mr. Um, uh, Allen basically says, I just want you to know I'm going to have him in bed on time every night. And Mr. Feeney's like, I just want you to know that if I had a son, you know, I would you know, do this sort of thing. You know, um, I think the diatribe that I just mentioned where he says, like, wake him up for any reason at all was actually in the conversation with Alan. Mm-hmm. Um, not all that with Corey. Uh, so 
uh, the, the next scene um, is Corey's in bed and uh, Alan uh, comes in and um, oh sorry so Amy's actually in uh, in his bedroom mm-hmm. and uh, Corey asks his mom if like who was right Mr. Feeney or his dad and she explains that sometimes they're both right yeah you know, black and white know, versus not gray necessarily black and white um, so uh so Alan comes in and Corey's like, you know, why? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to go to bed yet. What if there's no hitter? What if there's this, that, and the other thing? And Alan says something like, if something like that happens, your dad will always be available, like there in the morning to tell you about it. Mm-hmm. Which, um, I, I figured like some of those things might be worth waking him up for. Yeah. You know, anyway, but like, oh, I'm going to keep him in bed from now on. Um, but I guess his point is he definitely wants to spend time with his son. But it's going to um, it's going to exercise restraint, yes, and not uh, jeopardize his education at all. Whereas, like Mr. Feeney's dad was kind of a jerk; he didn't want to spend time with him. Mm-hmm. And he, Alan, before this, was a little more careless, waking him up um, without really thinking about the uh, the repercussions of doing so. Uh, one thing I noticed is Corey's going to bed, and Eric's not there at all. Hmm, I didn't notice. Where that. is he? Maybe he's out with he's Heather. He's at Heather's house. Yeah. <laughs> he's at Heather's house and he's giving her another hickey. Amy, what are you doing? You got to stop this. Um, so, uh, and they make this weird. Um, Alan asks if he's still grounded and Amy says <laughs> he's not. And then um, they leave the room and Corey says something really awkward like, he won't be back tonight. His dad, like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> Which you have a kid saying the punchline for a sex joke. Yeah, like, that's great. <laughs> that's super gross. Um, and that is uh, that's how our our episode ends. Yeah, uh, I, I would get it more if Eric said that line. Um, being a little bit older, it's yeah. not as like yeah, um, mm. inappropriate. Say something. Uh, that that not want to think about your parents. That that never ends. At thirty five years old, I I, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want to ever talk about it. Or nope. Think about it. Nope. Mm-mm. No way. So I thought that was a really weird thing to say. Good job, writers, for making you know that little kid a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote literally just gross with an exclamation point. Um, and it, because we've covered this every single episode, I just wrote down no Topanga again. No Topanga. Still no Topanga, but that's all going to change very soon. Yes. So any uh, any closing thoughts on this episode? Anything you want to add in? Um, no, I think we pretty much summed up everything and I think so too. Um, I got my interjections in there on, on what I thought about like the specifics of the episode. Sure. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned that awkward joke at the end because I definitely want this. But I thought this, um, other episode was pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. as I've watched, I definitely enjoy the later seasons better. I think where it gets a little more goofy, like I just, I can't wait to, to run into uh, Joey and Frankie and Harley. Those are such good mm-hmm. characters. This is definitely the more um, moral-based episodes in season one. Yeah. With some some good life lessons. You know, Corey's actually, like, learning about, like, dynamics of life. Well, Meets World is such an appropriate title when you look at it, um, as it's described, so. See, I like in the earlier episodes that they're drama-free. Um, where they have ongoing drama in the later series. Yeah. Um, the first two seasons, they don't. It's one episode. Yeah. They cover everything, and nothing's really left over to carry on. It's 
That's... like 22 minute enclosed stories. The, the drama free thing's a really good point. Like I uh I watch and rewatch a lot of shows that are what I call like lighthearted or lack mm-hmm. drama just cuz it's kind of like comfort food, right? Yeah. So because especially if I'm doing something else if you're going to be engaged, like you have to stop to be engaged in the drama to understand what's going on mm-hmm. in the episode. This is usually just silly stuff. Yeah, it's so like popcorn. Koala, it's like popcorn. <laughs> I like that. So yeah, it's um. So this this is still like that. Like it's got more of a moral. Um, but as it as it progresses into the the next couple seasons, it just becomes m- like legitimately more funny. Or is this this might have some more charm to it? Because of uh, Corey's innocence and some of the interactions, but mm-hmm. we talked about how Eric becomes more more of a silly character and things of that sort, and the realism falls off a cliff <laughs> once we get into season like two. But it just makes it that much more fun. So, all right, uh, well, thank you everybody for uh, for listening to our uh, third episode, and hopefully, we continue to get better and better at this. And um, we will see you next time.